Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's time for Next Gen Friday. We are so excited about the future of our fellowship that we highlight the 40 and under pastors of CFM. We hope you are inspired by the deep bench of pastors and leaders coming up around the world. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. First uh, Corinthians chapter 13, if you have your Bibles. First Corinthians 13. Uh, my wife was recently telling me about an interview uh, a couple of months ago, and um, the interview was about arranged marriage in India. And for us in the West, this is kind of a, uh, a strange concept. We can't imagine our mom and dad setting up our, our life partner. Like, how many would want that, right? Your parents would pick somebody that maybe you don't like or maybe someone that you have nothing in common with. Uh, and so she's reading about this uh, this cultural uh, issue in India. And the interviewer asked the couple, well, what about love? If your parents is, uh, are arranging your marriage, what if you don't love that other person? And the Indian woman in Uh, This article made this powerful statement. She says, we learn how to love. Isn't that a fascinating statement? The person you're going to be with for the rest of your life, you hardly know this person. But she says, you know, we we learn how to love. What she's saying is that marriage isn't only about feelings and emotions. Marriage is a decision that I'm going to share my life with someone else regardless of of the feeling of the moment, regardless of our circumstances, I'm going to love them all my life. I want to preach a sermon I've entitled Choosing to Love, and I hope it'll help you out of 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, let's begin in verse 1. I'm going to read out of the NIV because I think it, it kind of helps. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor and I give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Verse 4, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, and always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we're asking that you would help us this evening. I'm asking that you would speak to us, that your grace and mercy would be poured out. God, I decrease so that you can increase. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's think first about what love is not. The world has a lot of ideas about what it thinks love is, but many of those ideas are not correct. 
Love is not a feeling. Bible says love is patient, love is kind. You know, there are going to be times in your life when you might not feel like being patient, right? You might not, especially with your spouse, you might not feel like being kind to them. And if you don't believe me, just have a couple of kids and your patience and kindness will be tested. So when it comes to our marriage, there are going to be times when your feelings are going to lie to you. Your feelings are going to tell you to speak things to your spouse that should never be spoken. Your feelings are going to lead you down a path that maybe you don't want to go down. So if you only love when you feel like loving, then your relationship is going to be shallow and short-lived. Because love is not a feeling. Number two, love is not acting or looking like you're spiritual. Oftentimes people mistake their love for God or even their love for their spouse based on some sort of spiritual connotation. Paul hits on this in our text. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging symbol. You can have spiritual gifts and you can be talented or have some sort of a an insight with God, but if you don't have love, at the end of the day, you're missing something. It really doesn't matter. Back uh, in Indianapolis, where my wife and I were uh, first saved, there was a girl who got saved, and uh, she married one of the, actually, the long story is, there was a guy in our church who got saved, and he met this girl on the internet, and so then she moved to Indianapolis, and they dated for a little while, and then they got married. So don't ever meet anybody on the Internet. But uh, so anyhow, what ended up happening is this girl comes to our church, and she's very religious and very spiritual. Every conversation you have with her is like this kind of like spiritual thing. She's talking to me about soul ties. I don't even know what that is, and talking about how my God has this special, perfect person and uh, for you and, and different things. And so anyhow, uh, she would be on the platform. She'd be playing in song service. She speaks in tongues. But then in the next breath, she'd be stabbing my wife in the back. And, you know, what? A, you, you know, my wife and I weren't able to have kids. Well, in the, the duration we were trying to have kids, she had two <laughs> with her new husband. And uh, she would rub that in my wife's face. Only, like only... <laughs> sisters in Christ could do. And uh, I remember thinking to myself, here's this girl, She's, she has this facade of being spiritual, of being close to God, but she's a devil. I, I really did not like that girl. <laughs> and anyhow, you know, you can act spiritual, and I can act spiritual, but if we don't love other people, we don't have anything. Real love has nothing to do, thirdly, with how much you know. In our text, Paul says, If I have the gift of prophecy, and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. You can think about, see this in the case of Solomon uh, in Ecclesiastes 2.9. He says, I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me, and I denied myself nothing before my eyes. I refused my heart no pleasure, 
My heart took no delight in all my labor, and this is the reward for all my toil. Yet I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, and everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. So think about Solomon. He's the wisest man in all the earth. He probably knows more about life than any of us can bind. And yet at this point, he's practically backslidden in our text. And he's basically saying, my life, even though I knew all of this stuff, my life was meaningless. With all my wisdom, all my knowledge, something was missing. What was missing was that, re- that relationship, that love. Love for God, love for people, love in a, in a spouse relationship. You know, the guy had a thousand wives. It's very hard to love one wife. How can you love a thousand? Finally, real love is not the same as generosity. We see that in our text. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, I do not have love. I gain nothing. You can have a lot of money and you can give a lot of money to a cause, and many good people do this, but still not be motivated by love. You know, when you, when you give money to, uh, I don't know, some do-gooder organization, there's nothing wrong with that, but oftentimes we're giving money out of, not because we love that person, that organization. It's not the same. I came across an article recently talked about uh, charity, and it said, don't just give to charity, brag about it. That was the title of the article. said how um, most Australians give to charity, but they don't talk about it. The article concluded by saying that Australians are renowned for generosity. We should celebrate that. Let's talk about the ways we donate and how our money is being used. Let's make this decision accepted, and this will benefit charities and ultimately those in the community they help. Isn't that kind of what our scripture is saying, that real love isn't displayed by how much you boast or brag about what you give to. Real love is displayed by what you do after you've given. Jesus says it this way in Matthew 6, 2, So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do. Do not go to the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. I tell you, they have received their reward in full. I came across another article that was very interesting about giving. And it says, uh, cash-strapped charities put donors' names on just about everything. It says, after a $100 million gift last year, Forbes 400 hedge fund manager Stephen Schwartzman got his name on the famous main building of the New York Public Library. About the same time, for a $25,000 contribution, venture capitalist Brad Feld got his name on a newly constructed building at the University of Colorado in Boulder. What was the new building that he got his name on? It was the men's bathroom. My point is, you can be a generous person. You can be a spiritual person. You can be honest. You can have a lot of knowledge. But if you don't have love, you're missing something. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, 
and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. So what is real love? Real love is something that will cost you. In the word, uh, the Greek word for love in our text is the word agape. And the underlying essence of that is this supremely sacrificial affection for someone else. That I'm going to lay my life down for another person. This is especially true in marriage. That marriage is, is a sacrifice for another. That every day I'm going to wake up and I'm going to say, honey, I'm going to lay my life down for you. Not, you know, kind of like the Lord's Prayer. If you, you know, when Jesus is in the garden, he's, God's asked him to go to the cross and he says, not my will, but yours be done. What if we all said that to our spouse? Honey, not my will today, but yours be done, right? Not my restaurant, but yours. Not my, you fill in the blank, but yours. Jesus says in John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. That's real love. And so in the context of marriage, we have to learn to lay our lives down for one another, to give up sometimes our own wants and desires for the good of our spouse. Came across a story that said, had it not been for the confident, his confident wife, Sophia, we might have never learned of one of the great names of lit- literature, Nathaniel Hawthorne. It says, when Nathaniel Hawthorne Uh, was a heartbroken man. He went home one day uh, to tell his wife that he had been fired from his job at a custom house. She surprised him with an exclamation of joy. Great! Now you can finally write your book. He says, yes, but what what are we going to live on while I'm writing it? To his amazement, she opened a drawer and pulled out a substantial sum of money. Where on earth did you get that? He exclaimed. She says, I've always known that you're a man of genius. I knew that someday you would write a masterpiece. And so every week, out of the money that you gave me for housekeeping, I saved a little bit. And so here's enough for us to live on for a whole year. That one decision gave Nathaniel Hawthorne the ability to write one of the greatest novels ever written, The Scarlet Letter. But real love is a sacrifice. How many know she could have bought a hundred things with that money? 
But she loved her husband. She believed in his dream so much that she was willing to say, you know what, I'll put some aside because I care about him. I care about his dream. Not my own desires, not my own wants, but my husband's dream. Real love will cost you something. Number two, real love is going to involve constant forgiveness. How many have learned that in marriage? You're going to have to constantly forgive your wife or your husband. It says in our text, love is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. We have to be willing to overlook some things, like I said this morning. I remember when April and I were were very first married and even before we got married. I remember April had this um, quality about her that she had to be right. Remember early on and when we were first dating, it wasn't that big of a deal. You know, oh, you're right, honey, whatever you say, you know, then we got married and, and, uh, you know, that lasted for a little while, but eventually that started to irritate me, right? You have to be right about, and, and so we would, I, I would stop agreeing with her and I would stop overlooking it. And then our first year of marriage, that became one of the primary sources of our arguments, her having to be right, but then me feeling like I had to be right. What was the problem? The problem wasn't that April had changed. The problem was that I had stopped overlooking things. I had stopped forgiving. I had stopped ignoring the, the one thing that maybe in a lot of ways kind of attracted me to her in the first place. Real love is being able to ignore those things that irritate you. And you know, if, if it gets to the point where it's so bad, give it to God. Could it be that maybe we should pray for our spouses rather than harping on them all the time about what the things they need to change? Thirdly, real love is a lasting love. It says in verse 7 of our text, love always protects, always trusts, always hopes. It never fails. The idea is that love is lasting. It's an eternal commitment, something that's ongoing in your vows. When you got married, you said to have and to hold, to love and to cherish in sickness and in health till death do us part. Those were words that were supposed to last from here to eternity. I heard a story recently about a couple in Ohio and says that this couple was married for 64 years. Bill and Nancy Nancy Shafrath. In 2019, they, they were both moved into a senior living facility. For several months, Nancy had been in a coma, but she was still hanging on and alive. Then shortly after that, her husband Bill was unable to get out of bed anymore due to his deteriorating health. And so the nursing home staff moved his bed into his wife's room so that the two of them could hold hands. On December 24th, Bill rolled over on his side and he held his wife's hand. And at 7 a.m., he passed away from natural causes. About five hours later, Nancy passed away as well. And it went into eternity. And here's this couple literally stepped into the other side of eternity, holding hands until the end. How many know that's how real love is supposed to be? This lifelong commitment through thick and thin, through hard times, through good times, that we're going to hold hands and we're going to make this marriage work. It's going to be lasting. It's going to be a love that's strong, that can take some hits in life. Because that's what real love is. Real love is a choice. 
It doesn't just happen. A lot of people have this idea that we're just going to fall in love and we're going to stay in love. Well, that's, that's not how it works. It has to be a daily decision that I'm going to give of myself to you, that I'm going to love you even when maybe you're not that lovable, right? Come on. That doesn't mean you don't have a disagreement. It doesn't mean you don't have an argument. But it's something that you say, I'm going to choose you for all my life. 1 Corinthians 16, 14 says, let all that you do be done with love. You know, how many know that would change and solve a lot of our agreements, our disagreements, if we just did what we do in love? Your love has got to go beyond your feelings. There are days when, if we can all be honest, we don't, we don't feel our best. Life comes against you. Maybe you had a hard day at work. Maybe you got a demotion. Maybe that dude gave you the bird on the way to the office and just ticked you off. We have things, just life happens. And there are days when you just don't feel, you're not, a, you're not operating at 100%. And those are the, the hardest days for you to be loved, right? And so it's got to be this give and take. Your marriage has to be a give and take. Days when you're not at your best, your spouse is going to give you 100%. When she's not at her best or he's not at his best, you're going to give 100%. And that's how marriage works. It's this daily decision. Okay, when I first got saved, I used to make, make a statement every day. I'd get out of bed and I'd say, okay, God, today I'm going to live for you. Just for today. <laughs> I can't worry about tomorrow. I'm just going to deal with today. I think we should take the same approach when it comes to our marriage. Okay, husband, wife, today I'm going, I'm going to give 100% to you. Today I'm going to love you. I can't control what happened in the past, and I can't control much of what happens in the future, but I can control today. I can control my decision to love you today. I came across a story uh, that really moved me recently. It says Pilates instructor Laura Browning Grant and Navy SEAL Jonathan Grant didn't expect their fifth wed- wedding anniversary to take a devastating turn. The couple has been married since 2012, but was suddenly faced with an unexpected hardship on March 2017. Just before their anniversary, Jonathan was involved in a debilitating car accident in North Carolina. For two months, Jonathan, now 37, remained in a coma. Doctors questioned whether he would ever be able to stand or communicate again, and then one day he woke up. A year later, his wife is unequivocally still devoted to his rehabilitation. Laura Browning Grant. She put this, uh, like a blog post or something on her Instagram, and she, she put these words. She says, this is a deep one. I'm not sure I have the ability to share these feelings and thoughts, but I'm going to try. John tries so hard every day to communicate. And for a man with little words, that sure has changed. We hear John speak, and it's obvious that he's really speaking with so much intention and meaning. But the words sound like a foreign language. These words are referred to as jargon. We are only told that John thinks his words correctly, but the brain injury affects his ability to vocalize what he says. I try so hard to catch even a glimpse into what he's saying, but so often I don't understand. I couldn't imagine 
not being understood. I get an internal churning in my stomach at the thought of this. I visualize it's similar to being stuck in a box with no way out. Then listen to this. He says, she says, as my mom reminded me tonight, don't dwell on this feeling and be thankful that John is still here with us. Thinking of this lifts my spirits, and I just sympathize so deeply for the daily struggle that John encounters. But I'm always reminded that God will bring us through. It's a long and tough journey, but I know big plans are in store for John, as God has always got a plan. And God understands John. That is a powerful example of what marriage ought to be. When your spouse is at their their lowest point, we made that vow in sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer, good times, bad times, to love and to cherish. I choose you. When all the world comes against us, when every trial, the worst trial you can think of comes against you, you have to make a choice to love. I want to ask you tonight to bow your heads with me all across this place, if you'd give people privacy in this moment. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.